There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Power Court Hour podcast. Hope you're doing well out there and thanks for tuning in to another one. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with another one for you, a second one this week. And uh, if you've not heard the one before this, you probably want to go check that out first because this is part two of uh, my interview, my conversation, um, really an album and an album analysis is probably the better way to put it, of uh, Green Day's Insomniac with uh, Kyle Steven, my buddy, and this is the uh, third time he's been on the show, been on to talk about our uh, favorite Blink-182 songs, and then uh, at one point was coming on, and we did a episode where it kind of began as us talking about like the bands that got us into punk rock, and uh, it just kind of went, I mean, if you listen to the last one, and uh, even if you didn't and you just listen to this one, you will see, I mean, it's more than anything kind of two buddies just bullshitting and talking about something, so... We get sidetracked, and I'll take most of the blame. I think I do most of the sidetracking, but uh, you know that that episode kind of went from being what got us into punk music into us just shit talking all like the pop punk bands from like the late two thousands and just that whole like neon scene and stuff and just how terrible it all was. And uh, you know this one we stayed on track, but it is a long one as you can tell. That's why it's a two parter. I, I had no intention for this to be a two parter, but you know my my whole thing is. We got sidetracked a little from time to time, but I thought it was always kind of, uh, I don't know, it was kind of funny and it kind of all was pertinent to, you know, the topic at hand, which is Green Day and kind of like pop punk in general and that whole thing. So, like, it never got so sidetracked that I don't feel like it works within it. So, I'm like, there's just no need to cut it down. You know, I mean, we did we did talk like three and a half hours altogether about a uh, a record that, I mean, is about 30 minutes long. But, uh, you know, my whole thing was, like, I, I feel like we got, we're really thorough. We really got to, like, what our thoughts were. And, uh, you know, I mean, with us with us kind of brainstorming back and forth, I mean, I got to give it to him. Um, actually, before I was recording this, on the way from the studio, I went for a little hike. And on the way uh, from the studio or from the uh, hike to, to the studio, I uh, at first was listening to Dookie. And I started listening to it. And I got to say, I mean, in this episode, I've been talking about how I think Kyle may be uh, – Maybe turned me around about Insomniac being better than Dookie. And I got to say firsthand, I mean, maybe 20 minutes ago, as 20 minutes prior to me recording this right now, I was listening to Dookie. And I got to say, I think I think Insomniac is better. I think I like Insomniac more. I mean, Dookie's a classic. Don't, we get, don't get me wrong. I mean, that, that kind of goes without saying. You know, I mean, it's it's like just one of the biggest like punk rock records of all time. Um, you know, like no matter what band or era you're talking about. But, uh, you know, Insomniac just so insanely uh, underrated. And really what I think I realized, too, is that I never gave that record the fair shot until uh, getting ready to do this episode. You know, I told Kyle, I'm like, hey, dude, you know, let's do an album analysis on a, a Green Day record. And I'm like, of your choice. And I want to start doing these every now and then with some buddies. I have uh, I have another one that uh, we were supposed to do earlier, but uh, he keeps getting busy. But it's all good. I, I think we got another buddy uh, who will be coming back on a repeat guest to uh, be talking about the descendants sometime soon. But uh, yeah, so with Kyle, I'm like, well, let's do a Green Day one. And uh, we talked about doing an episode on like top five Green Day songs since uh, doing that Blink-182 one. But I thought this would be more fun. And uh, he was thinking of a couple ones, and it was down to Nimrod, Insom- Nimrod Insomniac, and uh, Dookie. 
and he ended up going with uh, obvi- well, obviously he did. That's what the whole <laughs> what the whole uh, episode's about. But we ended up going with Insomniac, and really, I mean, it made me you know because because he he uh, picked it maybe a week or two before we did it, so I had quite a bit of time to listen to it more. And I mean, I've obviously heard the record before. But, uh, you know, I guess really sitting there when I'm trying to, like, dissect it and get ready to talk about it, it made me think about it more. And it's really it's really true. Like, I like what, what Green Day were doing on Dookie. But if I listen on to Insomniac, they kind of did it better. Because at first, one of my criticisms going into this was it feels like a continuation of Dookie. And uh, you've probably heard me talk about it not only on this, but... Uh, you know, a few weeks ago on the uh, 1995 episode where I talked about all the records that came out 25 years ago. And I believe I mentioned on there where it's kind of like, you know, it's not a bad record, but you kind of forget it's the follow-up to Dookie because it feels like it's just kind of, you know, a lot like Dookie. But, you know, as Kyle kind of put it, that it's it's really kind of Dookie with better production and, uh, you know, I guess really better songwriting too in a lot of ways. I like the more darker lyrics on it the more I think about it. So really my... My kind of criticism in the beginning, Kyle kind of turned me around, I got to say, and now I'm like, you know, I think Insomniac is the better record. And, uh, you know, next time I'm going to put Dookie or Insomniac on, I think it's probably going to be Insomniac. I got to be completely honest. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of what I gained out of this. But I had a ton of fun. And, I mean, we still have like an hour and a half of this to go. So I'm going to shut up now and uh, we'll get back to it. But like I said, I mean, if you haven't heard the first half, we, uh, we're picking up right now where we left off. And we're about to go into Panic Song. So, I mean, if you've not heard it yet... You missed half the record so far. So uh, go back and check out the uh, part one of this. But uh, if not, get ready for uh, part two. Thank you so much for checking out the, the first part and this part. Like I said, I mean, I know it's very long, but, you know, we just had such a blast uh, doing it. And I just wanted to release all of it. I, I didn't want to edit any of it out. I'm like, this is all, this is all, it wouldn't sound good if I started cutting things out. I'm like, I want to, I want to keep it like this. You know, this was our conversation just raw and, uh, you know. Many, many, many things were said, some smart, some not so smart, but uh, it is all right here. So here is part two of my album analysis with Kyle Steven with uh, Green Day's Insomniac right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. That, I mean, one of the best songs on the record, you know, is about that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, great song, one of my favorites off of it. And uh, moving into the next one, I really, I like Panic Song. It's very... I mean, for one, it's probably one of the longest intros they have to a song, yet works perfectly. I'm going against what I said earlier, how, like, I hate long intros. This one it works with. It has a great beginning to it, and it's very unique. Like, it doesn't it, – it kind of reminds me of a precursor to, like, what they would do on, like, Nimrod or Warning. But as far as the context of when it came yeah. out, it's kind of a first for them. Like, it was kind of a – if I look back in retrospect, I feel like it's a fresh song, like – kind of different it's a punk song but it changes shit up a little bit like how do you how do you feel about panic song okay so a as a kid this song gave me so much anxiety because of the intro (laughs) i could see that because i kept on waiting for it to like kick in and like the lyrics to come and i just felt like i was waiting forever and like looking back at it now as an adult i damn near feel the same way <laughs> like, like i was sitting listening to it i'm like yes i remember this and like you know just a repeating baseline with a couple ring outs and like a minute in i'm like when does this kick back in again like i don't remember it's been a while and so like in my notes i wrote like bass intro could be like just an intro to like an album not this album but just an album 
um, you can take you can take a minute and fifty seconds off this song, and it would still be good. <laughs> that is, you know what? When they break into it, I mean, don't get me wrong. The intro works as a great buildup, but honestly, yeah, you the song itself would still make sense if you cut that all out. Like it would just yeah. cut right into it, but it would be like stuck with me, where it just fucking hits you so, right away. So, like, I did a little bit of like, uh, like, uh, I mean, I kind of brought it up a little bit earlier with as far as like just like time in songs like oh this is the shortest song on the album or whatever so technically this song is the longest song on the album you know mm-hmm. at three minutes and 35 seconds the next <laughs> closest one is brain stew with three minutes and 13 seconds now if you take the bass intro out of this song <laughs> the song's a minute and 30 seconds <laughs> so then it becomes like the shortest song on the record it's one of them Oh, yeah, fuck. Actually, I think it's it not even me. <laughs> it, it would beat Brat. If oh, you shit, okay. the whole bass intro out, it would pretty much beat Brat. Fuck. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you just brought it up a second ago, not, not saying this exactly, but you brought something up to kind of hit me in the head with it. I wonder what this would be like if this was the intro to the album. How would you – I feel like you wouldn't like it. Like the way you're, you're talking about, about the intro, I would feel like you wouldn't like it. I'm wondering how that would be because part of me thinks it would be a cool way to open the record – but then another part of me would be, I think I'd have the same reaction that you do where if I put it on for the first time, I'd go, when the fuck is this song going to break in? Like what, like, what, mm-hmm. like what the fuck is going to, is going to happen here? So like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it could have fit as an intro, but maybe it's a it's good a, thing it didn't. I don't, I don't know. It's like a punk rock. It's like a punk rock angels and airwaves thing. You're like, yeah. what, when did yeah. these lyrics kick in? This yeah. song's been going on for three minutes and like, I haven't heard one word yet. Oh yeah. No, this, this honestly like panic song. Almost like like the first couple times I listened to it, I almost thought it was like one of those songs on the records where you know how they're really actually they do it here in a minute with Brain Stew and Jaded where it's two separate songs but kind of in a way yes. it's the same. Yes. And I kind yep. of feel like Panic Song is that way where if you listen to the beginning, I almost feel like that's a separate track building into the next one and it's just really well sequenced. Like I, I'm wondering if that's how it originally happened. I could like, see it, was it. In, like, it. It was completely different. Like whether it was a different song yes. or maybe like maybe that maybe that bass intro went into something else or maybe they were just like we don't like that might have been a different where this song, song went honestly yeah right. it might have been a completely different song and they're like eh, we don't like what that song turned into but the intro is really cool let's keep this intro and like maybe change the song and may and like I'm just kind of speculating here it's like a joke almost but like maybe like the title panic song in and of itself was just like. Maybe it was just like, oh fuck, we need we need to write like two more songs to finish this album. <laughs> here we fuck, go. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go. And like they wrote like the intro, and then they wrote like a song. And they're like, we don't like the song, but we like the bass intro. Well, let's let's scratch the, the 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 vocal part and let's just try something new. And then that's where it turned into. Like I'm making all that up. No, that's a great. It, it feels that's a great right. Point. And. And the name of the song, Panic Song, is just like one of those things like, oh, shit, we got to do this quick. Uh, okay. <laughs> and the fact that the song gives me anxiety, like even now as an adult, as it did as a kid, like makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> it, you know what? You, you bring up a great fucking point. I think now that you say it, I think you're right. It's one of those – it is one of those songs where I truly – I would not be surprised if it was – conceived out of like three different songs like it was one of the you hear bands do it all the time there's nothing wrong with it where you're like we had this idea we had this one and this one none of the song the songs together weren't very good but like the bridge of this one was good the intro of this one was good 
And then you met, and I've even done my own fucking songs. Like you end up doing that. And you're like, now you get one good song. You take three mediocre mm-hmm. songs, put all the best parts together. And if it works well, like, I mean, panic song meshes well together with those, all those parts come together and make one song. But yeah, those totally, I don't like your speculation. I kind of think might be fucking fact or truth. I think you're onto something there where, yeah, I, I think that probably originally started as a, you know, a couple different songs just meshed into one. But it's another mm-hmm. one. It's a yeah. it's a good song. It's not a, I mean, it's not up there as my all time favorite. But I like it. Good energy. And oh, once yeah. it kicks in, once it really kicks in, oh, oh yeah, great. Yeah, no, like, like I can completely do without the bass intro. Like, if I just want to fucking hear the song, like, oh, let's just go. I want to fucking feel it. <laughs> but like, but like, when we're in the meat of this album with you know with Babs '86 uh, and this, like. I don't hate it. It's a great middle section of the album. It's just one of those, like, ah, oh, come on, just get me there. Just get me there. I know where it's going. Just get me there. I just want to be there already. No, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's kind of a good summary of the song. I mean, any, anything else on it before we go on to the uh, next one? Uh, no, not in particular, just kind of, I felt like it could be a little bit shorter and it gave me anxiety. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I hear you. The uh, the next one on here, this this one is in my top three. If we're talking top three songs mm-hmm. on the record, a one of my yep. favorites, maybe even this might be of the top three, might even be my favorite song, and I really never realized it up until doing basically prep work for uh, for this episode. And, and when I say prep work, I mean listen to Insomniac a lot. But uh, fucking yeah, Stewart <laughs> in the Avenue. I mean this song, the whole thing. Here's the thing. I was listening to you and I go, it's so fucking catchy front to back. And the verses and chorus mesh so well that you almost don't realize when they go from one another, if that makes sense. The transition mm-hmm. is so smooth, you almost don't tell he just went into the chorus. That's how well it, it, it fucking yeah. meshes. And and this probably has my favorite chorus on the entire album. It is a good fucking chorus. Just, just everything about it. And like, yeah, you're totally right. Like the way they kind of blend between the two, like it, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's perfectly done where like, you don't think of it as like, a like, am I, at the, am I still in the verse or like, have we hit the chorus yet? Like it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's cool. No, it just goes right in. You, you don't even notice it. I mean, the whole, whole arrangement, it's another one of those where I think like, as far as them as a trio goes, like. A lot of no nonsense, not a lot of layering here. There's not, there's not hidden shit. Like there's some bands where when you put on like a good pair of headphones, you listen to certain bands, you'll put on a certain albums, you'll start hearing shit you never heard before. And like, you'll start noticing mm-hmm. things from that. There's certain albums that are like that. And that's great for some bands. Green Day is not like that. Like you don't, there, there's every now and then like maybe a guitar party. Like, Oh, I never noticed how cool that was. Like I said, you may not realize how good like Mike's playing bass, but overall, there's not studio trickery in here. If you listen to this song and dissect it, there's not a bunch of hidden studio things that make it good. There's not like layered hand claps or like they're not playing piano chords underneath the guitar. Like yeah. there's, there's none of that is happening here. Like this is again, where just the, you got the best out of green day for just letting them be and just be a fucking trio. Mm-hmm. Like another one where it's like, you know, the, the major label isn't asking them to write when I come around part two or maybe they were and they just didn't do it. But like, you listen to a song like this and you just go, they just let Green Day be Green Day. And this is what you get. Yeah. You just fucking like as a trio, this great song. And another one too where 
Billy Joe, just that snotty. It's just snotty. It's bratty, including in his in his. It's also a time thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that they could write Insomniac nowadays. Like, not even the whole album, but there's certain songs early on where I just, when you think about it, it's like, actually, I think Longview's a good song, a good example of that. If a 40-year-old dude, like, you hear it now, and, I, you know, it's fine. But it's like, if, like, a 45-year-old dude wrote Longview, it, I don't think it would have the same, like, genius or delivery, and it wouldn't, like, be taken the same way. There was something about a lot of those songs being written as and being sung by just this like bratty dude in his early twenties who was kind of confused about life and you can hear it in his voice and there's an innocence to the band and shit. And I think this is mm-hmm. one of those songs where it's like you wouldn't hear this song on later this isn't a song you would hear on a on a later era Green Day record. This is a song oh, no. that fits on this record in this time and place. He's a twenty three year old dude who just like he's in the middle of all this shit we've been talking about with the success of his band and all the other shit going on in his life. And this is just a great example of that. It was just like, like what made green day so good. They're just fucking, they were bratty young dudes who had, you know, they sang about all this different shit, some funny, some not, but at the end of the day, also it's very relatable. You listen to like something like this. It's just like, this fucking relatable song. Like it's no nonsense, but you can listen to it. Yeah. And you just, you're into it. And it also has like, probably like one of my favorite little, like single lines, like lyrically, which is just a, a long lost King of fools. That is a good fucking line. That is that is because yeah, because it's so like like plain Jane relatable. Like you're just you're amongst like so many people like in this world, and like like yes, you are like like you should be the most important person in your own life, you know, because you got to take care of yourself first, you know, and then like you know family or your kids or whatever. But like I feel like with that line specifically, like you're just as lost as everyone else, but you're in control of like yourself. You're just, I don't know. I I wrote a lyric. I wrote, it's in this notebook. I think I wrote a lyric that is like nearly like meaning, like meaning, like the meaning of it is almost identical. Um, I can probably find it here in a quick second, but it was literally like, I feel like I'm so much bigger than myself, but I don't feel any different than anyone else. I like that. Um, oh, it's, here, here it is. I just found it right here. God, this is, I don't know when I wrote this year wise, but I'm it's the, the line is I'm the leader of the broken hearts. When, my, when our heroes have fallen from love. Oh, I like, <laughs> like that. There's, there's that first line. I'm the leader of the broken hearts. Like that's I, maybe I loosely even like reference this Green Day song like, as like a thought, but not even thinking about it. It's that great. It's like that great fucking like like that like you did in yours too. Like where it's that line where it's this almost backhand. Like you're calling yourself the leader of something, but like is it, but at what cost? You know what I mean? Like when you look at what it is, though, it's yeah. it's like that interesting. It's that like really and once again very relatable. It's like just something that I think anyone can really relate to. And just one of those, that's kind of the genius too, is he'll drop those lines and songs that you don't really realize until really half the times you can't tell what the fuck he's singing. But, uh, you know, when you, when you realize what he's singing, you're like, that's a really good, like, no wonder that song's so good. Like, and no wonder why, because once again, it's like, you know, Dookie's a punk rock record, but it's like, if you look at the lyrics, I mean, 
you don't have to be into punk music to relate to most of that shit. Like, they were singing about very, like, I mean, really accessible things. You know what I mean? They're they're not singing about really specific shit that only some people, like, would get or relate to. They're just kind of singing about life as, like, a fucking young person. And it's like, again, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're listening to Dookie in 94 or, like, 2004. It's, like, record, like, still is relevant and still means the same thing. Like, that's why I think there's still young kids who get into Green Day and hear that shit, and it means the same to them that it did to, you know, a fucking 14-year-old when the record originally came out. You know, like, teenage yeah. angst really doesn't change. Like, like those basic human feelings, like, don't, you know, if they're writing songs about shit of the time, like, to be timely or drop in references to, like, you know, like, what was popular in 1994, you end up, time, you know, you age yourself and shit, whereas Green Day really never did that. The simplicity of it and those in lines like that, you can listen to at any time and you're just like, that's just yeah, fucking good. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. but that, and that, that's another one too. Like that line is a, is another kind of example, like of that replacements, Paul Westerberg uh, influence that you hear from Billy Joe, where it's like lines like that, where I'm like, that could have also been like a fucking Paul Westerberg line. Like that shit. Like once again, where I'm just like people who like green day, like if you like Billy Joe's songwriting, once again, the replacements don't straight up sound like green day or anything like that. But if you go listen, you go, Oh, that's where Billy, like, that's, that's where he yeah, got you can a lot of his things, genius. Yeah. And in a great, yeah, in a great fucking out. way. Yeah. Like, like not in a bad yeah. way at all. Like, not like he's ripping like, them off. And kind of to that exact same point, but on a smaller level, um, the intro baseline to this song, uh, there was a band that, uh, my band toured with, um, another little local band. And they had a song that the baseline started kind of the same way as this one and i'd always get super pumped because i eventually realized obviously they're not covering the song or anything like that but every time i heard that bass line i thought of this and i always meant to ask that bass player if you took any loose influence from you know Stuart and the avenue from green day and i never got around to it but i almost liked that like in my head i'm like this bass line brings me back to this like I feel bad. I can almost erase all of that local band song in my head. Just that fucking bass line? That, that bass line was so cool that, like, I, I could just be like, give me that bass line, and I'll just plug it into Green Day, and I'll just <laughs> keep the two connected forever. Because, like, I don't know. It was such a – I don't know. The bass line itself doesn't even sound like a Green – like, it's, it's a Green Day bass line, but it, there's something about it that doesn't give you, like, straight-up Green Day vibes. Yeah, you're right. It reminds me of like a just a goofy little local punk rock band just being like, all right, let's start this off with a cool like fun bassline, and you just hear do 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 do, and like I don't know, that sounds like something like so many bands that like either I was a part of or I saw in the scene that like that would be a staple like in their little punk rock pop punk like. The set list was just like the song that has a cool little running bass line and then cuts right in. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and I love Stuart that. That's a good way to open a song. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. But, like, I don't know. I guess it's because Green Day did it. In my head, it's like all of these other bands, like, needed to do that because Green Day did it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of bands, that like, there's so many, like, signature. Actually, you think are signature calling card things of bands, but, like, really, they were just the one to – 
to perfect it or like did it on the biggest level Mm -hmm. where you do, you'll always associate to that. Like you'll always, like if an intro starts like that, you'll probably always think about Stewart and the Avenue. Like no matter what, it's just like right away your head goes to that. Like there's totally shit like that. And that's what their song did. Like the band that we toured with, like not just that, but it sounded so close that I couldn't help but get excited to hear that song, even though I knew it wasn't Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking no. That's uh, that's very cool. And I mean, I don't know. As far as the song goes, I mean, any uh, any other things? It's another one where I'm just kind of like, it's a, it's like one of my favorite songs off the record. Like, it's just fucking yeah. solid. I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah, no. Like, we kind of covered everything. Like, like I said, it's it, it's got my favorite chorus, um, just vocally and just the way it, you know just how it flows but yeah it's got like one of my favorite lyrics it's just one of my favorite songs on the album like there's no two ways about it oh 100 and uh you know i mean i guess as we're going on here too, the next two songs um for even time's sake i will say maybe we kind of mesh them together this is this is brain stew and jaded i mean they kind of get like i don't i don't know whose idea that was yet well I, they fit well together that's probably why but like they, they're just they will always be connected they will always like, oh, yeah. do you think of one without the other? Like, I don't like no. I was thinking about this today. I don't think jaded works that well without brain stew before. Maybe it's because I've heard it that way for so long. But like, if you just play jaded by itself, it sounds like it's missing. Oh. Like, it sounds like half of an idea. No, it, no, 100 percent. Like, occasionally, like I'll put Green Day like on like a shuffle or whatever. And like, the, like jaded will pop up by itself. And it's just like, Sounds fucking it, takes weird. Me second to, it, it takes me a second to like, wait, what is this? Oh, it's jaded. Okay. But like, I don't get the same energy from it because brain stew builds it up so well. It really, cause brain stew is that like brain stew, really what they work with there. It's a very like mid tempo song. It's not fast, but it's just, this is and brain stew. Like I was talking about earlier, this is where we'll get into where like, this is the one song on the record brain stew, not jaded jaded. They go back to just, fucking straight up just a trio kind of thing but on brain stew they are kind of layering things there is not i don't want to even say studio magic it's not like the whole song was fucking built like in pro tools but like there is more shit added into there where it's layered and kind of adds to it but that's not a song where the driving force is the tempo there's other like in jaded the driving force it's a fast fucking song like it hits you Mm -hmm, fucking that one two punch whereas with brain stew it's fairly you know it's like mid-tempo it's definitely slower than jaded but it just has that heaviness that works really well where you don't get bored with yeah. it. Because really, if you had a three-minute fucking intro song before Jaded and it was like – I mean, look, at we were talking about Panic Song and you're like a fucking minute in of that is too much. So imagine if fucking Brain Stew was not like that. It was just a fucking terrible like three-minute buildup that would not work. But like it's funny that it does because, once again, Brain Stew is fairly different from Jaded. There's not – they kind of change it up quite a bit, but it's like – Oh, they totally do. You need one with the other. Like, you just, you like, here's some Jozer shit. If you're like a radio station and you're playing, if you play Brain Stew and you don't play Jaded, you're a fucking piece of shit. Like, if I'm, you have to. Yeah. And they almost all do. Like, it's very rare where, like, I I listen to the radio, like, more often than probably the regular person does, just because. Sometimes I get bored of my music, but like nothing wrong with radio, hear, boy. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> okay, no, nothing, no, not at all. Like I listen to it a lot. It's just you know, so many people have CD players or they just plug their phone in or whatever, and like oh, yeah. so, like they don't need to hear talk radio or whatever. But like I still listen to it way more frequently than probably most people. But like anytime Brain Stew comes on, 
there's only been a few times where they just kind of cut it off before jaded. And in my head, I'm like, why isn't jaded playing? Like that's, that's the song. Like it's not, it's not brain stew by itself. It's brain stew and jaded. So when they play brain stew and it just cuts off, I'm almost annoyed because like, well, hell yes. You kind of, it's, it's, it's a, it's a peanut. It's like having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but you're only eating the jelly. <laughs> Fuck. I like, dude, that's a good analogy. That's a solid fucking Bam. analogy. Maybe it's cause I like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but that's a good fucking analogy. Like I totally oh, I love, get what I you're saying. Shout out. I love to that butter shit. Jelly sandwiches. But look, <laughs> like, like it's funny. Cause what you're saying is absolutely like, if I hear brain stew and you don't play jaded, I go, where's the rest of it? Like, where's the ending of that song? And then if I hear jade without brain stew, I go, where's the beginning of that song? Like yeah, something's like, what, missing. Yeah. <laughs> For both of them. Mm-hmm. It's just funny because, like, there's not tons of songs out there that I feel like have this. That, like, it doesn't matter what band we're talking about. Green Day is, like, one of the few that, like, that just pops in my head. Like, if we're talking about one, we got to be talking about the other. You have to have yeah, them both. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something I just learned about this song, literally doing this research, you know, I found this out yesterday. So this is, like, brand new information to me. I did not know that this song got banned during like the big 9-11. Oh, is it uh, on that list? Band. It's on that list. Fuck. I didn't know that either. Like, and I just made reference to this list, like not even a week ago to a coworker when I was telling him, like he was saying that fucking, uh, let the bodies hit the floor <laughs> by Johnny pool. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. hey, that's funny. I, I remember when that song was banned after 9-11. And he's like, was it really? I'm like, well, listen to the lyrics. He's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, oh, and yeah then, oh, definitely. Like, and I was looking some stuff up for the song, and, like, on like on the Wikipedia page, it, like, had a link for, like, you know, songs that got banned after 9-11. I'm like, no way. Like, really? It's a really and big list, it. too. It is a big list. And, like, I kind of scrolled through it yesterday, just kind of looking at some of the songs that were on there. And some of them didn't make sense to me. No, like, no not at all. Is. Not at all, dude. Some of them, some of them you look back now and you're like, why was that banned? Like, a lot of Rage Against, and, there are a lot of Rage Against the Machine songs on there. I'm yes. like, they're just, pol- like, because they're political is why they're on there. But, like, outside of that, I'm like, I don't really know what most of these songs have to do with 9 11. Like, and, like, kind of thinking back towards the song, like, I don't really, I mean, I don't really see like why this needed to be banned. No, now, not like, at all. Like, like I hear it on the radio and obviously there's been many years have passed since then, but like I still hear it on the radio and I, I'm just like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with this song. And then I found out it was on like a nine 11 ban list. I'm like, really? Why? <laughs> there's a, you know, like, and, and I knew we would get back to them, but like, I think one of the reasons why stay together for the kids wasn't a bigger single was, they were recording the fucking uh, the music video yeah, for that the fucking video. Yeah, for like nine eleven. I think they recorded like the day before they did that, like September tenth, literally, was, like the day before nine eleven. No, there, there's literally video of them on set watching the news while. Oh shit! I didn't. Re- okay, so, so that happened on nine eleven. yeah, so like, um, I I have a like a greatest hits. DVD and shit, and you can actually find and watch the original version of the Stay Together for the Kids video because after nine eleven they changed the concept. Yeah, anyone anyone who hasn't like, seen it, like, like they like were de- they basically destroying. It was an abandoned building to begin with, right? Like it was a it was a building, but it got destroyed at the end. Like like fucking just yeah, it was like boulders it was, and stuff. Was, like for a broken home, yeah, basically. It was, 
Exactly. It was a wrecking ball, like destroying a house. Yeah. Um, so when they redid the video, it was just like a big, like kind of not party, but like a big, like kind of messy graffiti kind of just messed up house with just a bunch of people going crazy. And there was really no imagery to be like, Oh, that's, 9-11 related, but if you watch the original version, it's a fucking wrecking ball, like destroying a house, which again, it's a loose analogy, but it's still something like a building being torn down. So I get it. It's yeah. It's such a great, like some of the stuff I told like bodies is one where I'm like, I could see someone like on September 11th, 2001, if I was listening to the radio, <laughs> maybe bodies, isn't the song to play. Like there, yeah, there, there exactly. are some songs where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah, like the music video one is kind of like I get it, but I don't like. You know what I mean? Like, like I get where they're coming from, but I'm also like, well, I I don't know. It's it's, it's the it's, same with Bleed it, American, dude. It's like I don't know how I feel about oh, yeah. that one. I'm like, yeah, Jimmy Eagle, yeah. Like that's another where it's like we're gonna release this, and who would have ever thought that when you're putting that out? You're like, well, this terrible thing's about to happen. But it's the same thing where I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I kind of get changing the name of it, but then I'm like, we also got to a point with that list, and we'll get back to these songs, but like where it's like anything that even remotely references a plane or a building or like fire was like banned. Like that's where they went too far. Yeah. It was like some of the shit made sense. Then they just started going like, well, this thing says fucking they can't play Jefferson airplane. Cause fucking airplanes and like shit like that. Where you're like, all right, now we're getting, to, and I don't know if they actually ever did that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying like, they started yeah, doing yeah. things like that where I'm like, I don't know. That's a bit much. That is interesting, you, yeah. what you bring up. That if no one's ever seen that before, you go on Wikipedia. There's a huge, it's a huge list of uh, yeah, yeah songs that got banned after nine eleven. Yeah, and the only other thing I'll say about these two songs because we're kind of doing these jointed is that uh, as a kid and even as an adult, as much as I genuinely enjoy these songs, like I won't skip them if they're on the radio or if they come up on my you know shuffle or whatever. Uh, I still don't know all the lyrics to Jaded at all. Like that's a song where I just mumble oh, I, through most of it. Something, something will get you nowhere. Is about all I can say. I think he says there is no progress, I, but probably I, not. I think he says, I think he says fuck up equal equilibrium. He does point. say fuck at some point because they do censor it. He does get censored at yeah. one point, so fuck is I, in there. I think he says like fuck my equilibrium or something along those lines, and I think those are like the only lines that like I can comprehend that's another one where i'm pretty sure that song had a vocal melody before lyrics like just 100 <laughs> percent. like there's no way because if he didn't then there's no way he would have written that many fucking words like it just would yeah. not have it wouldn't have made sense but um what was i what was i gonna say on this one i, I had a couple more things before we uh, move on i'll keep them brief here but uh fucking oh one just kind of funny there's two now Geek Stink Breath, the entire music video kind of gets me. But the other, there is one scene on one green day. Actually, okay, that's not true. There's another one. But the fucking the it's just for a second, but when the maggots come up on the music video, I think it's in the brain stew section. Um, I still do not like that. I, I there's something about that. It's just like one or two times. You know what I'm talking about? It flashes on the screen and it's just this big old fucking thing of like maggots just squirming. And it's disgusting. I think I- it's yeah, for a second. You know, it's been you, a long... You'd miss it. Like it, it, I, if you don't remember it, I wouldn't be surprised. It flashes like yeah, maybe two times. Okay, because I was gonna say because I remember the music video is just kind of like not like a like a bulldozer or it's like a it's like a like like a caterpillar 
like like in a know, junkyard. Or, I think for a lot of yeah, it. and it's just, yeah, and it's just like dropping garbage off and like. I think isn't there like a couch that he's like sitting on most of the video? Yeah, yeah. There, there. I, I, I'm with you. I haven't seen it in years, but that's what point. That's what sticks out to me is that is that like two or three times it just pops up on screen. And I was gonna say those are the only ones, but then I forgot about Jesus of Suburbia where they do show the guy slitting his wrists, and I and I remember not fucking liking seeing that either. So I guess there's been a few Green Day fucking videos or parts of their videos that I'm like, oh, I gotta look away for that. I'm normally not squeamish yeah. like that, but I'm like, nah, I can't watch that shit. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it is the the uh, I guess the only other I mean, I said it a hundred times, like most produced song on the album, I think, like the layered chugging, like we were talking about that, like like in the like they did things like that. Like the first verse, I think there's only one guitar. Then in the second, they layer that second one underneath. Um like in mm-hmm. the in yeah. the chorus, they definitely double his uh his vocals in a couple parts, like there's like I would say this is easily the most produced. Like this one, which is also funny. I would have assumed this was the this the song got a lot single. of the Dookie money. Yeah, oh yes, dude. This is what yeah. they spent all the Dookie money on was brains too. But like I would <laughs> for as produced as it is, I would have thought this was the first single. This didn't get released as a single until oh. 1996. This should have been yeah, it, the lead off. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 100 should have been the lead off. And like I feel like if this was the lead off, especially since it's like two songs, and obviously the success of Dookie didn't help at all. But if like if you separated the two, even about like say like two or three years, yeah. if this was the first single, no matter what they would have put after it, would have been more successful than what they are currently. Ooh, I like that. That's a I I can't disagree with that. That's again, an we have to thought. do a little. We ha- we have to do a little, you know, time manipulation as far as like, oh, give you know, give Insomniac an extra year before it comes out or whatever. You know, obviously we're doing a lot of time jumping. No, but there, that's but a like, good. That's a good fucking question you pose. Like, would it have been bit like maybe it would have been fucking huge. You know, yeah. Like, like who knows? It's one of those. It's one of those things where, like, the littlest things, you know, and I, I think it would because it's funny because we were talking about earlier where it's like I don't think much could have saved this record as far as mainstream success, but the one thing I think it could have is maybe time. Like, I don't know time. that putting a record out the next year was the smartest move. Yeah, it very well could have been just, like, the label trying to get something while it's hot. Yeah, and it, it, you know and, what? It probably was. I mean, Punk 94 and, was when Punk broke, so they're trying to make as much money as they can off that. Yeah, and like the fact that like an album that like, like you know, Dookie came out on a separate label, right? And Insomniac, correct? No, I think they're both or on. Uh, it, they both I don't on know if same? it's re- okay. it might be reprised. They were on. I'm trying you to. You know what? You might be right. Yeah, you know what? You might be right. They were that. actually, but dude, to be honest, like like because they were on Lookout Records, obviously for the first two, but I think they were on like the same label up until like a few records ago. Like I think actually. And here's the other reason why I think that's true too, because Uno Dos Stray and were were their last ones on that on that one, and I think that may have been part of why they did three albums was to fucking uh, you know one of those things where they were trying to for contractual obligation like we need three more albums from you. I and I, I may just be throwing this out here, maybe I'm putting out conspiracy theories, but I think that's part of why they did those three records was to get out of you know or at least end the end the contract. I think they had a really long fucking contract with uh, whoever they were with, Reprise or Geffen. It was one of those. 
Yeah, probably reprise. But uh, yeah, no, that they they uh, actually. So once again, I mean, signing to a major label for as much shit as they got, I think the label treated them pretty well. I mean, you never. It's not like you really ever heard anything bad out of it. Like, yeah, they really fucked us over. Or anything like major actually. <laughs> and I love Lookout Records, but I think they had more issues with Lookout Records than they ever did with major labels. Lookout Records, I don't think paid them royalties for years afterwards. I think I think the fucking oh, wow. small label fucked them over more than the major did. Like the like if you want to talk about more irony of the whole sellout thing, it's like I think they had more issues with Lookout Records than they ever did with fucking you know whatever major they were on. You know, I, I'm just throwing it out there, but. uh all right. I mean, yeah, you know, and, and we can move on here, but I, I can't I can't move on without saying this one thing. And I got to ask you if you've ever heard this. And if you have not, you have to go listen to this when we're done with this, dude. And I, actually, I'm talking to anybody listening to this. You have to go listen to this 100%. Have you ever heard the Godzilla remix of this song? I think I have, but it's been so long to the point where like, I couldn't tell you anything about it, but I know it was in Godzilla because I did actually like that movie like when I was a kid. I, okay, well, like the literally, the reason why it's a Godzilla remix, you need to go listen to this, all they did was add, was add Godzilla. Just fucking Are doing that. Dude, I swear to fucking God, it's just brain stew with clips of Godzilla. <laughs> Just fucking doing like, his like, nine. Like, yeah, like I can't even do it. Like fucking Rars. He's I, like, you have to go listen to this. It's the I'm, funniest I'm, fucking thing. I'm totally gonna check that out because I knew it was in the movie, but like I didn't know okay. why it was considered a remix. <laughs> I forgot it was in the movie because I, I I do remember seeing Godzilla when it came fucking two thousand when it came out and God damn mm-hmm. like I remember you can remember the hype around that like there was so oh, much yeah. about it and I had never heard of Godzilla before that but anyway I, I won't go on another tangent but I remember seeing it and I don't remember Brain stewing it but years later like probably two thousand seven or eight I bought the soundtrack at a garage sale for like a dollar because I saw Green Day was on there and a couple other there are actually a couple I can't remember off the top of my head. But not a bad soundtrack. There's a couple really good bands on there. But I'm like, what's this Brain Stew Godzilla remix? And I play it. And I'm, I started laughing my fucking ass off, dude. I started showing all my friends. I'm not kidding you, people. You need to go. They didn't change anything. Not anything. There's not. There's nothing different with the song. There's a fucking dinosaur roaring throughout it. If you've ever heard, if you've ever listened to Brain Stew, and here's the other Joser shit, there's no Jaded on it. It ends. It's just Brain Stew. Yeah. But uh, anyway, like, if you ever heard Brain Stew and you're like, you know what's missing from this? The sounds of prehistoric fucking animals screeching. (laughs) You need to go listen to the Brain Stew Godzilla remix. You know what it's really missing? Yellow Wolf. Oh, fuck you, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. You cool got, throwback. Dog, you got me there. I was not expecting that. <laughs> Damn, dude. That's a real throwback. That, okay. That is, that I just is. want to be done with this already. <laughs> okay, dude. That was fucking good. All right. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Moving, moving on. You got me with that one. Um, you know, we're getting the last couple songs here, and we'll uh, you know just kind of go through them here. But Westbound Sign, what I wrote for this – I think this would have fit better on Dookie. This is a good song, but I truly think this would have made more sense on Dookie. I, I don't know how you feel, but not a bad yeah. song would have fit better on that record. 
And then let me ask you this with you saying you would put it on Dookie. I'm not saying you thought this far into it, but I have. Ooh, um, I probably have not. <laughs> where? Okay. That's okay. If you don't really have an answer. Okay. The placement of it? you would have put it? Yes. I, the only thing I can say would be the second half. I know it would be in the second half. I don't know exactly okay. in between what, but I will tell you it would be on, it would probably be in like the last four or five songs on the record, which it would just okay. be side B. Yeah, so basically you're putting it in relatively the same placement that it is on this record. Yes, yes, I would. Essentially. Um, I can say this easily should have been the last song on the album. Between Ooh. between this and Tightwad, between this and Tightwad Hill, just because it's the same thing, either one of these songs probably should have been the last song on the record, in my opinion. You think so? Like, they're, they're, they're fine songs, but, like, I don't know. The, Westbound Time, for me, is pretty forgettable. I could see, I mean, because once again, like, I like it, but I am also calling it a song that should have been on another record, like kind of a dookie throwaway. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't hate it. Like, in songs that, like, I genuinely dislike and, like, songs from, like, Green Day specifically that I, I don't like, like, this doesn't even hit the bottom of that list, but it hits the bottom of this record for me. That makes, dude, I was, uh, whatever song, I can't even remember now, but I was talking about it earlier. My least favorite song on Insomniac is still not a bad song. Like, I, I still like it. It's just not my favorite on that record. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's not a shitty song. It's just not, it's not career defining. You know, it doesn't hit you like 86 no. does. And the funny thing is, is that like, for me, going back and listening to this and being like, kind of giving it an extra shot. All that really came up for me was just like I think I feel like my band, like my one of my first bands, like wrote this song kind of vibes. <laughs> like, like it, it's that. Like, I don't know. There's, there's really nothing to it. I guess for me, like, and no, how I, I, see I get it, what you're saying. It's just you know, again, I don't hate the song. It's just it's on this album, bottom of the list. But like, if I put every Green Day song I've heard, mm-hmm. this wouldn't even crack like my bottom 10 15 songs oh i i 100 like would agree with that but like this whole album wouldn't hit any bottom tier of green day songs oh yeah no but i mean if you're talking in the context of the record yeah you know it, it's one of those things and really i mean you brought it up and i mean do you do you have anything else to add to this one because if not i mean you kind of are transitioning into the next one um pretty well i mean i don't know if you have any anything else to say for this one not necessarily it's kind of pretty much it <laughs> but i mean like like you were saying about like ending the record and like with tightwad uh hill i uh i, I guess you kind of put it i didn't think of it this way and it's funny because this is how i worded it i wrote something down that i think kind of has to do what you're talking about but I said, I, and I like this song, but what I like about it is it's a burst of energy at the end of the album. It's not a special song per se. It's nothing super stands out. I just like it on records where the second to last song, this is, this is where I'm different from you though. You're talking about um, one of those ending the records. What I like is the second to last song kicking you in the dick and then kind of, I don't know about pulling it back. I mean, Walking Contradiction isn't like a fucking ballad or anything like that. But I like records that kind of do that. The Ataris did that with End Is Forever. The second to last song, Song 13, is like the fastest, shortest song on the record. It, substance-wise, it's not. It's far from the greatest. But I like that that's there before it takes you to the outro. 
Like I like I like that they kind of pump you up again before it ends. It's almost this false start, and I feel like Tightwad Hill does that. Like like it, you're at the end of the record. There's only one more song after this, but the energy of it kind of picks me up. Where I'm like, it kind of reminds you what you liked about early on in the record. It's one of those fast songs, but it's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Like this is it. Like and I yeah. I like that though. I kind of yeah. like the placement. And that's fun. Of it. Yeah, no, like I, like uh, it, it, and and this song specifically also has like one of my greatest lines, one of my favorite lines of the record on it. Um, and the the energy is totally fine. I don't, I'm not putting it as the last song because of its energy. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because, and I'll just kind of like just quickly say this. I feel like Walking Contradiction completely should not be the last song. Dude, like, I feel like that should. Like it's, a, I think it's a really good song, but because of Tightwad Hill, like eliminate Walking Contradiction is the last song, and I feel like the energy of Tightwad Hill can end the album for me right there, and I'll, I'll it, it leaves me wanting more without like thinking like oh yeah Walking Contradiction's next. It's almost like uh, like Tightwad Hill should lead me into Nimrod. Ooh, I, well yeah, I, I see where you're going with that for sure. And let me ask you then too, and I mean I know you said Walking Contradiction is a good song. This isn't this question isn't so much of if you like the song or not. That's kind of aside from it. But do you would you take Walking Contradiction off the record altogether, or would you place it somewhere differently? Once again, not 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 in a sense of if you like the song or not, but do you think it would have been okay just off Insomniac? Like would you almost just take it off altogether, or would you instead of having it as a closing track, throw it somewhere else? I would keep it some. I'd keep it and throw it somewhere else. Ooh, I, I, I don't know where. Maybe early I on. I don't know where. Maybe earlier it, on like might it, be cool. So the o- the only reason in my head I feel like it should be early on is just due to the fact that it's a hit and it's got yes. a good video to it. That uh, is one of their best videos. Yes, I love the music video. It's one of my favorite music videos, like just in general, and. I've had a theory for years when it comes to like albums and singles and this and that, where like 90% of the time, like we kind of brought this up earlier. Your first song is the introduction to the album. Mm-hmm. Like that get, kind of gives you a general vibe of how the whole album's going to go for the most part. Sometimes that's a hit. Usually it's not on most albums. Song number two on most albums is usually again, a decent song usually switches up the vibe just enough where like you can still tell it's the same band, but maybe there's a little bit of growth or a little bit of distance between that and the first song. Song number three is always in my head, a hit on almost every album. No, dude, 100%. Number three is always like the hit. And it's funny because stuck with me is number three. on That's what I was going to say. And it's technically a hit, but it's not technically where I feel like walking contradiction can slip in, in that number 30 spot. And it probably would have done a lot better, like, in timeline-wise, if they did uh, Brain Suit Jaded first and then Walking Contradiction. Dude, you're reading my mind. I mean, that was, that was basically the shit I was about to say as you were saying. is like, maybe track – like, because you're right. Track three is normally where, like, the big single goes in a lot of times. And, yeah, you wonder maybe that should have been track three. Like, you know, Stuck With Me as much as we love it, and obviously other people didn't love it as much as we do – so maybe it being there would be a better place. But let, now let me also ask you this, because I think this may play, as we're obviously uh, you know, transitioning and walking contradiction, your last song, but um, 
Did you did you hear this song before hearing the rest of the album? That's what I want to know because I heard this song before hearing the rest of the album, and I think that's part of why it affected me the way that it did. Uh, you know what? I'm not 100% sure thinking about it. Because um, I'm going... I know I definitely... Oh, go on. Well, like, I was just kind of going like what, what you were saying there with uh, with singles kind of being in another place. It's so... Hey, the first thing I have written under Walking Contradiction, it's the first thing I thought when we were getting this ready. I forgot that was the album closer, and I'm like, singles are almost never... Like, that's fucking weird. You almost never see that. That's not normal usually. Like the album, no, the album no. closer's not. And this is the first song that I heard off Insomniac. So this is why, while I do agree with you, I feel like that's why I come from it that way. And that's why I was wondering if you did as well, because this is the first song I heard. I associate the music video with it. Like, and actually, to be honest, I a lot of times think of Nimrod when I think about it. I also feel like, and which I guess maybe. I, I, Maybe that's why it closes it because I guess it does make me think of Nimrod, so it's going and into that. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. You see what I'm like, saying? Because yeah, like it does I, make I, me think of that record. Because yeah, a hundred percent. Like Walking Contradiction and Nice Guys Finish Last. Like, yeah, dude, that's exactly I, what I thought I, about. I sometimes forget like what ones on what album because sometimes I feel like they're both on Nimrod, and then like. I'll kind of like I'll put on Spotify and like Green Day would play and Walking Contradiction pops out. I'm like, yeah, good song, good video. I see the Insomniac album cover. I'm like, oh yeah, that was the last song, wasn't it? That makes sense. <laughs> you know what? I'm starting to think this is going back to us kind of speculating here, but like, I bet that was one of the last songs they wrote for the record. If you if, going off what we're saying, how it sounds like Nimrod, I bet that was one of the very last songs they wrote for that for that album. Like it, it had to be. It's it's that. Yeah, like totally. And, and what's really funny was that like one of the little notes that I wrote here, because I do like I genuinely like the song, even though it's like a, a hit with a music video that I really love. It's another it's underrated one on though. When the fuck do you but, ever hear but it? I wrote but I wrote it's a ballsy move for a hit to be a last song. No, dude, one hundred percent. Like which also goes back. This was kind of a market I guess when you think about it. This was weirdly marketed. One of the singles are the last songs on it. The first single is about crystal fucking meth, and the video is the guy <laughs> getting his tooth pulled out. You have Brain Stew, which ended up being one of their biggest singles of all time. That got released a year later and was like the third single, almost an afterthought. And then they, mm-hmm. like, and even though Brain Stew and Jaded work so well, you also have this, like, weird double single. Like, it's a darker album than the one before. Like, when you start thinking about it, Maybe us, I guess us dissecting it really does kind of like put in perspective of why maybe it didn't work as well. Like these are a lot of big no-nos when you're, if you're trying to make a record that's huge, a lot of these are no-nos. And one of them like that, like Walking Contradiction being the, which I guess the fucking, you know, the song title works with it. I mean, the whole album's kind of a contradiction of that. Like, you know, you're, you're this huge fucking band, but we're kind of contradicting all of that. We're not doing what everyone you know, things we should do on the next record, you know, the follow-up, like we're kind of contradicting mm-hmm. ourselves and we're doing the opposite and shit, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it not only was it the last song, but it was also the last single released off that album with, with a video. So like, it's almost weird that like, like it's the last song, it's the last video. And like we just said, we kind of confused the two as far as like, was it on Nimrod or was it on Insomniac? Like, well, the other kind of thing, too. No, go ahead, man. 
Oh, I was just going to say, like, because we mix it up, like, as far as, like, hit-wise and, like, timing-wise, because, like, Walking Contradiction came out almost a year, almost a year after uh, Insomniac came out. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And and when did, uh, just because I don't know off the top of my head, when did Nimrod come out? Was it 97? Yeah, I think not, yeah, or that one they 96? didn't do the no, they didn't they didn't do the uh, cuz I looked that they up afterwards. The... Yeah, they actually waited a year or so after. So yeah, that was 97 I think. Which is the other funny thing. Green Day really besides this one time of doing Dookie and uh, Insomniac uh next to each other, they normally take a few years like sometimes more than even the usual 2-year album cycle, like including later on, like they just kind of put shit out now every few years. They might do singles, but like this was like the only time they did that. If you look at it, like I, I guess maybe Kerplunk, maybe the first record and Kerplunk came out like a year in between, or you know, like like maybe one was like eighty eight, the other was eighty nine, or whatever. Um, but they really didn't do that the rest of their career. I think maybe they learned on this one, like take your time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but the other the other thing too, which which you talking about it kind of brings up what we've been talking about the whole time is how dark this album is. And I think yeah. why we mix it up with, with Nimrod is the music video is the funniest one. Like, it's not dark like the other ones. It's actually humorous. The song is, mm-hmm. even though it's not like a funny song per se, it is more lighthearted than a lot of sh- Like, really, when you look at it, that's a fairly lighthearted song to end on. Like, oh, absolutely. And it's the one, like, as a kid, I related to the most. A, it was lyrically very under- understanding, but also, like, like it made sense like being like a like a quote unquote walking contradiction was something that like I related to very young in life. Oh yeah, and it is. It's, and, and like, you're right. It's like something you get. And also you can understand what he's saying in that one. Like you can kind of for the most part yeah. you get it and it's like it, it's it's also like it's kind of more crafted. Not not that a not like a pop song per se, like a straight up pop song, but it is crafted in a way where there's like the hook of it and the whole thing I mean, like he's doing, like the contradicting yourself and stuff. Like the whole way that he wrote that song is just more playful and like more lighthearted than uh, than the rest of it, which totally more relatable. Like totally mm-hmm. another one where like I don't know that that should have been the lead single off of it, but I don't think that should have been the last one. Like that should not have been released a fucking year later and as, uh, you know, like almost as an afterthought too, which also might be why it suffers because that's another one. I mean, we've said it. I mean, if it's not brain steward jaded, you don't ever hear it. But like that one never gets fucking radio play or or fucking like. I mean, it's you really don't say video play anymore because fucking MTV hasn't played not, videos yeah. in decades. But like even when they were, I never remember seeing it. Like you know, even when MTV and VH1 were playing shit, or even Fuse. Like Fuse would be the only yeah, one. I'll Fuse. give Fuse some credit. Like that was the only one you would watch that may play like. Some like once again, like they did play like the like the ten minute Jesus of Suburbia video, and they would play like some of those ones off Nimrod or Insomniac or Warning that you really wouldn't see on like MTV or VH1. So I will give them credit for that. But overall, yeah, you, this is you don't hear Walking Contradiction on the radio. That you you're just yeah, really no. don't. And if you do, it might be once in a blue fucking moon. Oh yeah, I mean it's basically like they got to do like a fucking you know like like they'll do like the two for Tuesday or they'll do one for like like we'll do like a four song block or something for like Memorial Day and that's when they start pulling out those obscure ones that never get yeah. played. It's like what's the fourth Green Day song? Like we already played Boulevard of Broken Dreams when I come around in Bass Case and then they'll pull out like one of these 
But like, sadly, yeah, you don't. Right? <laughs> which makes no sense to me because people. Which also, though, I will say this: um, as far as like commercial radio goes and stuff, people do bitch about things getting played too much. But then people also like to hear things the same just over and over again. So it's this like back and forth. But what I'm getting at is. Green Day has all these singles. They're far from a one-hit wonder. So it is insane that a lot of these songs just don't get love. Because I get it where they're, if you're on the radio and you play certain acts, you just you have to play the hits. Like, that's just how it works. But yeah. Green Day has yeah. tons of hits that just don't get fucking played. And I'll never understand it. It's just, yeah. it, no, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. Like, you know, we said it. We're beating a dead horse. But, like, those three records in between Dookie and American Idiot, like, those singles... Are so unappreciated, minus a couple of them. Yeah, no, like, like they kind of, like, like I kind of brought up like, a, like a while ago, like when we were, like even loosely talking about this, like when I was a kid, like I always thought that Nimrod and uh, Insomniac technically came before Dookie, just because of the sheer popularity of the album and the hits. Oh yeah, you would you would totally think that. I mean, oh another one. I mean, I mentioned uh, Offspring with Ixnay on the Ombre earlier. Smash sold like eleven or twelve million records, and Ixnay on the Ombre I think might be platinum. Like we're not talking about a little drop. We're talking like eleven million copy drop. Like yeah, like one of the and same with Green Day. Where like you look at the drop of that, where like Dookie's selling ten million records, and this one sold like one or two like that's a huge like it's funny because still that's a large amount of people like it's not like green day, yeah. green day were still playing big places and shit but like their popularity did drop and like they weren't selling like that and that is a big drop if you're thinking about in millions like from 12 to 2 is a 10 million drop like that's quite a bit you would definitely think it totally makes sense why because i kind of think that too like they seem like they'd be pre-dookie just commercially wise, you would just not think that that was the follow up. Because I was, I'm even looking at it right now, just kind of can really see like, so like looking at the singles from Insomniac and like even just like their, uh, like their uh, positioning on like the singles and like the the charts and stuff, like on like basic like like radio airplay, I guess of sorts, like. Like the the highest rated song technically was Geek Stink Breath, like on yeah. average, as far as like peak positions on the charts go. Like to, it beat out Brain Stew on average, but like like the U.S. It says right here U.S. Airplay twenty uh, seventh Geek Stink Breath, where Brain Stew was thirty five. Really, which makes no sense to me no. if you really think of like like how how differently those songs were received. But then like you go to like albums, like fucking like Dookie and you look at like their singles on their charts. Like, like Dookie had three number one singles. Well, that record, like fucking like that, is, that is like Nirvana three years earlier where like major labels afterwards were just signing anything. It's not like that was their base, like sign anything. It sounded like green day. Like that's who they were referencing. Like when signing bands, like we want the next green day. Like that's and you got to be big to do that. That's the same years later when Blink One Eighty Two did it. We want the next Blink One Eighty Two. Like when you're that band, like that's fucking ma- like Dookie was so fucking massive. Like they were culture. That's why I keep saying culturally because like we're not talking about like a bunch of punk kids liked it. Like everybody liked it. Like you would hear that on multi like different genre markets for like radio stations. 
you'd hear it. Every, and, like, once again, punk was not huge at that point. I mean, Nirvana came before no. it. So you did have grunge. Like, it's not like fucking, you know, power chords and shit weren't on the radio. But, like, Green Day was something different. Like, that really was just a Lookout Records pop punk band. Like, the Mr. T Experience or the Queers or Screeching Weasel <laughs> or fucking Crimp Shine or any of those bands from that era. Like, they just came from that. You know what I mean? But, like, yeah. they just got so fucking massive. Like, Dookie to another level. You know, I was talking yeah. about some of this before. Like, how did other albums not get as big as Dookie? Just because, once again, they, a lot of their contemporaries made records that sounded like Dookie but never got as big. And the person said, just simply, it wasn't Dookie. Like, Dookie's just a good fucking record. Like, they, that's why it got big. Like, if you're wondering why that got bigger than their other bands, it's because they just wrote a great fucking record. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way it got perceived by the mainstream and shit is just insane, you know. I mean, once again, with American yeah. Idiot. But Dookie... I mean, it's fucking huge, you know? So, yeah, that drop yeah. that drop is just fucking crazy afterwards, you know? It, it's insane and, to and see it. And you can't fault them. Like, it's no, not their no. fault that the album didn't succeed because, like, like we're saying right now, like, Insomniac is a great album. And it may take some people to kind of go back to it to kind of appreciate it now years later. But, like, at the time, it was, like, such a, a quote-unquote failure record sales wise that like even people that like don't know the album just be like well green day sucks because they didn't do anything good after dookie and but like up until like american idiot like no that's not true they put out good stuff it's just because of how successful dookie was that no almost no matter what would have came after it oh yeah. would have looked like a failure anyway even if you gave insomniac say two years and after Oh, it yeah. probably still would not have done as good. Maybe a little bit better, maybe 3 million records or whatever. But like, again, it's not going to be the number. And you got to think like for the dudes in green day, I, just the fact that like they had another record went over a million sales after the huge commercial success, probably to them was cool as fuck. Oh, they a got punk that. Band? Totally. But, but like, yeah, it's still a punk band at heart. It's not like they blew up and all of a sudden they're like, we're a contemporary rock band now after one big hit punk rock yeah. album. No, like they stuck to the roots and they did what they wanted to do. And the sales didn't reflect that. But I think I'm sure there's hundreds and thousands of people that think this album is just as good as Dookie. if not better or whatever, but like, it's it's like uh what do they call those things like uh it's like a cult classic this oh, album is like a cult classic amongst fans like you can put everything out before it and after but like insomniac i think is going to be on everyone's like top list but it just the sales didn't reflect it in the time no i i think you're you're absolutely right about that and i mean kind of kind of like is we're like closing shit up and whatnot here like what you uh like like what you were saying about and I, I think you're like dead on what we were talking about earlier is like maybe at the beginning part of my criticism was almost like not not a criticism, I did like this record, but I'm like, it's weird that it came after Dookie because it feels like a continuation of Dookie. But the more that we talk about it, as simple as that sounds, it's Dookie with better production and stuff. The songs are a little better too. Like, like really, you kind of turned me when you said this earlier. Your hot take, really, and I never thought it before. I don't know. This record might be better. Once again, I may like Dookie more, but I think Insomniac's the better record. Like, like take 
Because yeah, I, I have I have memories connected to Dookie and whatnot, and you know, there's a massive oh, songs same. on it. But it's like one of my favorite albums of all time. But yeah, but like what you were saying too is like if we're looking at it from a songwriter standpoint, like them as a power trio, like all that shit. Insomniacs, but they were better musicians. They were better songwriters. Like if we're going off that, it's the better record. It may not be a personal like, which I don't know. You might be changing me now, and it may, I may like more Dookie. But what I'm saying is, even people who like Dookie more than this, I almost think anybody has to look at it, take a step back, and go, even if you like Dookie more. They upped their game on this one. Even if they were doing a continuation of Dookie, they made it even better. They didn't rehash Dookie. They perfected no, what they no. were doing there. It's I've said this about other albums, but like with these two, and I'll almost throw Nimrod in there as like a third, just because it I feel like it just works as well. But there's not many albums, like sophomore albums to a hit album that fit so well together like we said earlier like you can play it all in one big album and it it, it doesn't seem like there's a big difference um there's that like the the hit sophomore album is in my opinion just as good but even that nimrod that follows up insomniac is a good record on its own as well but you put all three together you have like a trilogy of like punk rock you know, evolution just between the two albums that like, I don't know many bands that can put three good albums out in a row. No, Green Day did it. And Green Day did it with, you know, Dookie, Insomniac and Nimrod. They could have stopped at Nimrod and those two albums would have held up together as like a a major. And then like a sophomore album after they did it another time after that, which I think is, and a testament to just how good of musicians they are. But again, the sales don't reflect it and it's a shame. Well, I, I think that is like one of the biggest things we we've talked about on here too, is like album sales, making you like you said, like someone might look at it and go like, if they not heard it and they're just like looking up say Wikipedia pages, they just kind of know a little bit about green day. They'd probably look at that and think it's not a good record. Cause like you said, like the drop in sales that's for Like, this is a good example of why you can't trust shit like that because it has nothing to do with it. Fuck sales. This thing could have sold 10 copies. Like, it's a good fucking record. Like, if Billy Joe's mm-hmm. mom is the only person who bought this record, it doesn't take away that it's a good... Like, they may have not even been signed to a late... Like, imagine they never signed to a major. Dookie just came out on fucking Lookout or something, and this was the follow-up to Dookie. It's just a solid... Like, if you took all that bullshit out, it's just a good record. You know, like, yeah. fuck the sales. It's just, and even with that, it's still sold more than their contemporaries. Like any other punk band of that era, even when they're only selling one or two million, like that's like what the whole roster of a lot of like labels were selling. Like their entire yeah. roster might've connected to a million sales if that. So, I mean, you know, still like the biggest punk band on the planet even then. But uh, yeah, it, it it is like, it is one of those things where it's like, it sucks that that might affect people, which you're a fucking Joser if that affect if you don't listen to a record because it didn't sell a lot. But like, you know, still like that that should not reflect on it at all. This is this is some of their best shit, yet it's some of their most overlooked. Which once again, kind of funny when you talk about a band like Green Day, because people are probably like, "What do you mean underrated or overlooked?" Like you wouldn't you wouldn't really connect them with that, you know. But it's like it's true. Yeah, no, not at all. They're like they made records that to this day just don't get the credit that it is they deserve. And this is probably the biggest one, you know? Yeah. Because like, I, I know a lot of people that love Kerplunk 
And like, they're like, well, Kaplunk had to happen for everything else to be a thing. Like, I guess that, that makes sense. Oh, sure. Like Dookie, obviously they blew up, you know, and we're, we're kind of just word vomiting at this point, just repeating ourselves. But it's the, the, the more, ah, God, so many people I know that don't really understand this record due to the fact that they just didn't give the chance besides the hits. And if they just give it a chance, I think they'll, like obviously the sales aren't going to matter anymore at this point, but people can now go back and reflect and hear it maybe now as an adult and not think of it as a kid and just be like, give it a shot and really experience this album for what it is and not for how it was received. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a good way to like fucking close it. That's like good closing remarks, dude. I mean like one, 100% and you know, it just is underappreciated and if you didn't like it at the time go back and listen to it and if you did appreciate it at the time go back and listen to it just go listen to it it's a great fucking record but uh that is that is our album analysis and uh i just want to point out here i mean i fucking love this, this is fun it but you could have listened to uh insomniac i think maybe 12 <laughs> times <laughs> you could put that record on and listen to it about 12 <laughs> times in the time it took us <laughs> to analyze it <laughs> The the album the album is just over a half hour long, so oh, fuck you can it. do the math. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> then then here I'll be real. Then if it was over a half hour long, we're sitting now. If you cut oh, out if you cut out our little like us just kind of talking pre uh, uh, pre episode, we're at about three and oh, a half boy. hours. So you could listen to Insomniac about seven times. Man, <laughs> and you and should. Then you can get back to us. Uh, yeah, and let us know how wrong you were about this album back when it came out. <laughs> yeah. It only took us three and a half hours to, to make you realize what a fucking idiot you were. But, uh, See, we could have, we could have done the South Park route the way they used to do uh, episode reviews on like the DVDs. They used to do like, they used to like review an episode like in like a minute and a half or like two minutes. They just like, Oh yeah, I remember when we made this and we made that joke. Well, here's the rest of the episode, Brad. No, that was it. Fuck that. And, fuck that shit. Imagine if, imagine if we had to try to review this whole album in the length of the album. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it wouldn't. We didn't get into the first <laughs> track until like an hour in. I, I don't think we would have yeah. been able to do that. Nothing wrong with it, though. I, I, uh, I mean, I hope people listening to this uh, like it. I feel like if you're a fan of the record, you probably like dissecting shit like this. But as we close out, dude, I mean, I, I, any any fucking plugs for you or anything you want people to know? I mean, that's kind of the – you've given us all this time. Is there anything you want people to know about before we close up shop? Um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are red. <laughs> um, you, you, you can't have a brain suit without the jaded. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Very true. Um, and no, but no, honestly uh, – I'm just thankful that you allowed me to be back on here and just spew more nonsense about some really cool shit. And it's not the last time being able to talk. Yeah. Oh man. Awesome. But <laughs> being able to talk about this album, is an album that like I genuinely enjoy and I'm glad I got to revisit it in full as an adult and appreciate it even more than I did when I was a kid, because I can just dissect it more and appreciate it like to, to a completely different level. I'm happy you picked the one you did too. I feel like if we, I mean, don't get me wrong. Every episode we go on, I mean, we're, we're just good at this. We fucking have some shit to say, but like, I'm kind of happy you picked the one you did. Cause the more I think about it, like I know originally you're going between this Nimrod and Dookie. If we did Dookie, mm-hmm. I don't know that we would have had as much shit to talk about. A lot of this stuff didn't pertain to Dookie or Nimrod really. 
I mean, this is a lot of this is very insomniac. It's a very special record in a lot of ways. And I think it was a very good one to pick because there's a lot of different shit to talk about, even just outside of the music. There's so many like fucking things around it that there was just a lot to get into, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, that is that is our uh, shit. Uh, like Kyle said, go eat a fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And uh, if you want to follow us at Power Chord Hour on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, uh, all that shit, that's, that's like my little plug. And, uh, oh, email us. Like, I mean, if, you, if you're listening to this to this point, for one, email me. You get a free T-shirt, PowerCordHour at gmail.com. If you listen to almost four hours of us, I'll give you some free shit. And uh, let us know how you feel about this. Are we fucking idiot? Like, all your takes are wrong. You're fucking morons. Do you agree with us? Um, and I mean, if you were one of those people who were calling them sellouts in the nineties, like let, let, let me know your mindset, you fucking Joser. But, uh, that, that's, that's fucking it. That's, that's the episode motherfuckers it, for in all, in all of its glory. So thanks for listening. <laughs>